Welcome to the Fintech Australia podcast, brought to you in partnership with Tier 1 People, Australia's leaders in fintech executive search. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins. This is episode 24, recorded at the studio in the Sydney Startup Hub. I'm joined by Christian Westerland-Wigstrom of Manuva. They're an end-to-end payment solution, allowing businesses to automate how they receive, manage, and pay funds. Using an API-driven payment engine, businesses can scale without worrying about how their transactions are managed. But before we get into the show, a big shout out to our partners, Fintech Australia. They're a member-driven organization, building an ecosystem of Australian fintechs who are advancing the global economy. Tier 1 people share their mission to build a strong fintech community, foster connections, and support innovation. So if you're not a member, why not? To find out more, go to fintechaustralia.org.au forward slash join dash now. Christian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dexter. It's a bit of a special one. I agree. Yeah, first one back in the flesh. Well, I'm in Dexter. (laughs) (laughs) Unvirtual. Starting from on. Yeah, Yeah, unvirtual. I should say we are clothed as well. So, uh, Yes, I am. (laughs) Um, Great to have you on, Christian. Could you tell us a little bit more about Manuva and what you do? Of course. So thanks, Dexter, for having us here. What Manuva is all about, because payments can be a bit um, dry and boring, Manuva is all about giving business leaders time back to think about the things that they really want to be thinking about. And essentially, we're all about making payments something you don't have to think about. Um, so as you said in the in the very elegant intro, we automate how businesses receive, manage, and pay funds using APIs. What that means in practice is that companies who are growing or have already been growing a lot uh, are finally able to not worry about the sort of the back end bit of that growth, which is how do I reconcile all the transactions that are coming in? How do I make sure that people who need to be paid actually get paid? And how do I ensure that all of that just happens in the background so I can make the real decisions that really matter for me and my customers? So um, one of the reasons why I got you on the show, Christian, is you did a really great presentation at Intersect back in October last year. Um, and there was a lot of relevance, particularly now we're actually in open banking era, um, around some of the, the, the kind of concepts that you talked about. And look, I, I wanted to kind of give you the stage to run through that presentation again, because I, I just thought it was really fascinating. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I loved giving that presentation. And uh, I mean, Intersect is one of the highlights of the year. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one in whatever form it will will take. Um so the presentation was titled Death of Payments in 2030. Now, to come on stage as the leader of a payments business and to say my industry is about to die in 10 years, uh, I was hoping would catch at least a few people's attention. I, I think it might have. Um, after explaining what I meant by it, and I'll get back to that, I sort of tried to get to the, the one memorable statistic, uh, which is that by killing payments as an experience, we should all, as an aggregate human experience, receive something like a thousand years back per day. So in order to, now that I've sort of got you thinking, uh, let me explain what that means. And, and one thing they asked me to, to look at and think about before coming on today was, you know, what are the great news? Um, I guess one news, one piece of news might actually be that 2030 is happening in 2025. Um, and um, 
while there obviously be some absolutely tragic components of this, there are also some things, as in any crisis, that uh, might actually benefit all of us. So what we're, what we're saying is that there is a very obvious and particularly uncontroversial mood and move in us as consumers that we want payments to not take any time. In fact, we don't want to deal with payments at all. That's why Uber is so popular, because you go in, you get the stuff you need without having to have the experience of then you know, fiddling with the receipts and cards and everything else that is before you step out. So the payment just happens in the background. And what we're saying is that payments as an experience, the experience of paying is going to disappear entirely. It'll be the Uber experience everywhere all the time. Um, and so what that means in practice is probably you step out of the Uber in 2030 or 2025, as the case may be, and you go into a shop and you take the stuff you want from the shop and you leave the shop without ever passing any till or past parting with any money or fiddling with a card. Um, and somehow the food that you grabbed has just been paid for. And that's not the end of it. You carry on. You go to a, I think I used a fun fair as an example, and you go and have dinner. And all these things, it's as if you were shoplifting and then you were doing a, a runner at a restaurant. And all along, you just carry on doing the thing you actually want. Um, and not the payments bit. So the experience of paying after about 40,000 years is one of the, the earliest um, experiences that we still are having today, that we could still talk to uh, about someone from the Stone Age and have experiences to share. Not that many mm. of those otherwise. Um, but that is actually coming to an end right now. Yeah. Um, and so what is driving that is a, a wealth of new technology that's all coming together to make payment a status Something has been paid, not an experience and an action. Someone is paying. Um, and uh, we think that is much of a do because the, the reason I came on to the thousand years per day is that just using one very simple and easily understood example. So supposedly, uh, we're ordering an absolutely huge number of coffees per day. Across the world, it's something like 2 billion cups of coffee every day. Wow. Now, if we assume it takes 15 seconds to stand in queue and fiddle with a card, that's probably a bit optimistic, but let's say it takes 15 seconds to do that. That's... 30 odd billion seconds per day. Right. Now, there are about 30 million seconds a year. So you go from 30 billion seconds per day spent on waiting to pay your coffee, that actually means a thousand years per day as an aggregate human experience, we're standing in line. Right. And that's just for one thing. So payments are really best when they're not around. Awesome. So I've never really thought of it that way. Um, one, one thing that's really struck me, particularly over this last few months, um, is really around the the next generations. My kids are nine and seven, and watching them interact with games like Roblox, um, Minecraft, Fortnite, where they've actually got digital currencies effectively in these games, um, and it, it really struck me that they're they're living in these virtual worlds, where potentially we're going to see the real world and the virtual world kind of intermesh. Uh, you know, an example might be my kids playing Roblox. They go into a McDonald's that's in Roblox. They order a Big Mac, and ten minutes later, there's a knock on the door, and uh, from a real, real person, yeah, real person <laughs> with a real burger. Um, what do you what do you see as the? You, you touched on this before with you know the caveman kind of uh, analogy or cavewoman analogy. Um, what what do you see as being the kind of the the, the paradigm shift? for you know, these next generations around payments and this world that you've talked about? 
so several things probably to bring up. One, I think, is about the nature of experiences in themselves. So it's still just about makes sense for someone to say, had a wonderful experience in a shop, got the shoes I wanted, but was a bit tricky paying because the machine wasn't working, whatever it is. Uh, or you can say I had a great restaurant experience or I love the food, but you know, took forever to get the receipts or the bill at the end. That kind of thing doesn't make sense in an Uberized world. And then Uber, if you say, if you tell a friend, oh, great Uber ride here, but it was very hard to pay, people say you weren't in an Uber. I mean, it is, it's intrinsic in the experience of an Uber that paying does not feature. Yeah. Um, and so what is going to happen is that you're going to move from uh, a world in which experiences are, are bifurcated and they're additive. So you have the experience of the good or service that you purchased and then the experience of paying for that good or service. And you, one of them can have value one and the payment experience can have value zero and it's still value one. Mm. Like it was still something was a good thing to have. Um, we're going to a multiplicative, I think, setup of, of that. Which what means, was that word? Sorry. <laughs> uh, you multiply. Uh, so rather than, than additive, it's multiplicative in the sense that one of them is if the good, exp- the good of service is value one, that experience is, is a good thing, but the payment is value zero because it's really yeah. fiddly, then actually one times zero is zero. Yeah. So, so you end up in a situation where payment is not just an add-on, it's, it's core to the experience. And we're already seeing that increasingly online. If you have to wait more than a few milliseconds to pay for something online, you say, oh, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And the more online we get, so I came back to, to Roblox and I should say to everyone, I had no idea what that was until about a few minutes ago when Dexter told me, uh, I have heard of Minecraft. Uh, but um, is that online, we are incredibly choicy. And we are incredibly picky about how good things are meant to be. Everything is meant to be seamless. Mm. And those experiences, we then import into our real life experiences too. So it, rather than trying to um, mimic the physical world in the virtual world, which is probably still what we are, increasing is going to be the other way around. Yeah. At some point, you're going to why can't I jump seven meters in the air? I can do that in roadblock. Uh, at some point, someone's going to say, well, here's an exoskeleton and you cannot yeah. do that. And for payments, what that means is everything is meant to be just not there. Again, it's the death of payments. What it means for a slightly larger conversation around um, money, not just a payment, but money, is that I, I'm a big believer that we'll see lots and lots of different currencies that are incredibly community-oriented. So mm. just like there's a World of Warcraft um, yeah. currency that people are using and they're buying swords and shields and, and, and beer, probably, uh, you you will be able to use all these different currencies, whether it's a roadblock yeah. one or something, to actually... Uh, exchange and, and transact in the real economy. Well, here's a, a, a kind of nice example for you. So my son, who's seven, asked me the question only a couple of months back as to why there were actually four different purchase points for him to convert the cash that he got given off his grandparents at Christmas into V-Bucks. Yep. And it was, you know, put the cash into our bank, transfer it to his Spriggy account, transfer that to his micro, Microsoft account, transfer that then into V-Bucks. That's right. And he's looking there as a seven-year-old kid saying, hey, you know, four people are kind of eating my lunch here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's and it probably wasn't a huge lunch to start with. <laughs> yeah, you really yeah. want to yeah. keep all of it. Uh, yeah, and it's a great question. And increasingly, it makes no sense at all. And it never really made sense. It's just that we all had to make do with what we had. Mm. Um, and uh, and that's changing. So, so something else that I am a firm believer in is that we're facing a... We're in a kerosene stage of payments technology yeah. at the moment. Uh, again, uh, for those who've heard me talk before, it's something that I keep talking about. But essentially, in, in lots of large technological shifts, there's a kerosene phase. What I mean by that is that you've left um, 
torches and open fires behind, but you haven't quite figured out light bulbs and electricity. Yeah. And in between, you have a very intense and generally very heavily invested in stage where you believe you found the future, but is not quite there yet. Um, and kerosene was just that. So for 20, 30 years in the late 1800s, people were investing heavily in kerosene, thinking we have found it, but it obviously wasn't quite good yeah. enough. Next day, light bulb shows up and everyone's forgotten about kerosene. Yeah. For me, this isn't a Bitcoin analogy now, it, is it? <laughs> it is not a Bitcoin analogy. It, it is. It's just about the um, the ease with which we transact. Yeah. So um, Bitcoin might form part of it, absolutely, mm -hmm. but it's the fact that even with all the technology we currently have, we are still asked and required to perform a physical action, even with you know one of the cool pays, whether it's Google Pay, Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, whatever it yeah. is, you're still bringing up your phone and tapping it. Yeah. And so for all the advantages and all the advancements, there is still the Stone Age thing of I need to still move my hands and fiddle with my pocket and tell my friend, sorry, uh, I just have to pay. Can I get back to you in two seconds? Yeah. That is going to disappear. Uh, and so your, your seven-year-old son is not asking a particularly difficult question in his mind, but for people who are dealing with kerosene, that's very hard to solve. Yeah. You need electricity for that. So I guess moving on to, to my next question, which is how does Manuva um, help companies move into this new world? Great that we segue, about? Dexter. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm a master at it. You are very, very good. Um, so Manuva is, as we said initially, all about automating how you receive, manage, and pay funds. Um, what that means is that we take away a big headache from people still at this point when we talk to our um, prospective clients um, they don't often know that they are having a headache they think it seems like an obvious thing they should have a, a half an army of bookkeepers with what sort of spreadsheets and that's sort of just how we've always done things but but that is not actually how things are necessarily meant to be um, and um, we are helping out by making it possible for people and for companies to specialize on what they do well because in order to bring about a totally seamless um, seven-year-old proof type economy, everyone needs to play to their strengths mm -hmm. and not pretend or even attempt to do many other things because it is the fact that as soon as, or the, the more complex, the more simple and seamless the experience for the consumer and what they're experiencing, the more complex and complicated it is for businesses to accommodate that. Mm -hmm. So um, in order for even very large companies to be the best they can be to their customers, they need to not build their own payment systems, they, because there is no way you can't you can't keep on you can't keep on on track and pace with the compliance regimes that are changing by the day yeah. to protect us all. I mean, it's not a criticism; it's just it's a fact. Yeah. Um, and they can't keep on track of, with all the the new technologies. There's another pay coming up every seven days, um, and so all those things, and we're seeing this already, are being outsourced. Now you need to outsource that to someone. Manuva is that someone. And it's a new type of payments company in that we are not at all wedded to the idea of we need to make our money by moving uh, funds from someone's, a consumer's generally, credit card to a merchant's bank account. Now, that is obviously a very common experience. Yeah. I don't actually believe that that's where the future of payments is. Right. Cards to me is like the epitome of kerosene. Um, but we are about making very many different kinds of payment methods available to our clients who are businesses, so that they in turn can say, oh, you want to pay using Snapchat pay or yeah. Roadblock pay? Yeah. Not an issue. We got it covered. In fact, they don't even have to know whether they can. It's just mm -hmm. available. So that's where Maneuver comes in.
Awesome. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about the company? So where you're based, um, how many people you have, et cetera? Of course. So, I mean, at present, we're sort of based in about 30-odd people's um, uh, yeah. homes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've never been as uh, as geographically present as we have right now. But uh, our offices are in North Sydney. Uh, we are, as I said, about 30 people, of which half roughly are developers and the other half are not. Um, we are part of a slightly larger group of companies called Monetech, which is sort of how we came about. Um, but uh, whereas Monetech operates under a different brand um, and doing trade and debt of finance and, and foreign exchange, we are very, very focused on making payments mm. essentially go away. Um, and um, we have been around under this guise for just under a year. So uh, one of the exciting things right now is that we're turning one in about a month time. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's been a wonderful first year on earth. Uh, we expect that to be quite a few more <laughs> and we will keep on learning and, and keep on contributing. Um, in that year, we have seen some successes that we're very, very proud of. Um, we have become an identified institution with MPP, meaning we have direct access to the real-time payments network through our sponsoring partner. Uh, we have launched a number of products, particularly maybe uh, of of, um, of note is our Automatra product, which is a, a way of reconciling very large numbers of incoming transactions by giving unique BSP and account numbers or pay IDs to every single one of our clients' customers. So they always know who's cool. paying them. Um, but most things, I guess, to give a very high-level summary, uh, in most things, we are three times whatever we were a year ago whether that is three times monthly revenue, three times the number of people, mm. um, three times uh, financial throughput. Um, so it's been fun. Uh, you grow a lot in one year and hopefully yeah. we'll, do, we'll carry on. What have you learned over this last 12 months? Um, a few different things. I would say that uh, one is the absolute, the, the, the paramount role of having the right people. Now, I would say this, talking to Dexter, uh, but having the right people has been it, frankly. Mm. Uh, so we've grown the team and it took a little while to get to, obviously, where we are now. We, some of the previous uh, guys, we existed for about two years before this. And we had great people, but we just weren't um, able to have more <laughs> of yeah. the right people. And, and now we do. And it's so nice. So we, hired the, we had the last big sort of hiring spree just before COVID, obviously yeah. not knowing that that was just before COVID. I think the last person who joined us uh, joined us four days before lockdown or something. Um, and seeing the whole team settling into their roles and being able to communicate, uh, in this case, obviously, online has been a real joy. And frankly, none of those three times numbers would have been possible without every single one being actually three times better than I thought. Yeah. Uh, so I think people, absolutely, having a clear product. So over the last three years that we've sort of existed um, under the previous brand and this, we, we've been working on products and we thought we had the right one several times. But then we're wondering why isn't revenue sort of yeah. picking up? And this year with this automatic product, all of a sudden it has. And we understand also what it's meant to feel like. Mm. So that's been important. And I think generally it comes down to um, adaptability. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, and the right attitude. I find when hiring people that experience obviously matters. And in some aspects of work, it matters much more than others. Yeah. If you are on the legal or compliance side and so on, auditor or accountant, probably a good thing if you've done it before. Mm. Um, but to hire people with lots and lots of experience in an industry where generally the future looks very different from the past, yeah. 
might risk being akin to hiring someone who knows an awful lot about fax machines to devise the next iPhone. Yeah, uh, it will start looking like yeah. a fax machine. It's a it's a big problem, Christian. I think um, you know, certainly what I've observed is the the biggest challenge facing the fintech community. I think is you know I keep saying this, and it's not a criticism, but I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of of leaders in the industry, and less than one percent has a background in HR people and recruitment and getting the right people is fundamental to the success of the business and unfortunately when you come from an environment where most people do which is a large corporate where the go-to is let's go and hire someone who's got 20 years experience doing the very thing Mm. that we want them to do if we're at the cutting edge of innovation and as you pointed out proposing that we're going to do things that nobody's done before that's you know you're kind of hiring the Facts expert. That's to, right. Yeah, I think that, that you know, the what we're you know what we're really pleased to see is that the the discussion seems to have shifted from raising capital in the last few months to all of a sudden we need to get the right people. And I think obviously working remotely has had a big impact on that. Yes, um, you know, and also they're, and they're not uh, they're not um, entirely separate investments. Yeah. So or or. Um, sort of quests so i mean for anyone who's done it ironically you know one of the things we say is hire like you're raising capital that's right because you are now uh, as a as a as an economist by by training uh, you talk about human capital like everyone's mm. heard that before and uh, it might sound like just another jargon phrase but i think everyone who has the experience of working with capital would say that human capital is probably the least easy one um, to replace and to find the right one. A dollar will look like a dollar. Yeah. Now, finding a dollar, it can be very hard, uh, no doubt about it, particularly not now in the current situation, but finding the right person, when a person looks very different from the next person and interacts differently again yeah. than the third person, is actually much harder. That capital yeah. is so much harder to get right than the financial capital. Yeah. You need it, both, of course. But. And it's, uh, it kinda, it's ironic, but you know, the... Everything that we hear is based on the pre- proposition that hiring should be easy. Hmm. You know, there's yeah. a talent shortage. Well, yeah, that's because we're at the cutting edge of tech. That's right. <laughs> Building the plane as we fly it, there's always going to be a shortage. Absolutely. And I think this is you know, one of the um, you know, challenges we face as an industry and as leaders is how do we shift that thinking from there being a ready-made solution to how do I become the leader who can, one, identify the potential in people and then nurture and help them realize that and give them the time to do that. And I think they're the conversations that we need to be having rather than let's you know, give a dish, dish out a load of visas to overseas people. Yes. Now, obviously, neither you nor I would have anything against overseas people. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. No, I mean, <laughs> the, yeah. but, yeah, uh, immigrants uh, you know, play but, a, a but, huge but, role but in that. I mean, in the sense of, um, I think variety of experience yeah. tends to be particularly valuable um again there are there are exceptions from this where you actually just need someone who's dealt with fraud before yeah something where actually having experience is highly valuable um but then someone who builds fraud systems might need less of that because they'll come in with fresh eyes you know the seven-year-old type eyes and go why are the four steps between getting a fraud uh, alert to solving the problem for the person who's been defrauded. Why isn't it just 
one step. Mm. Um, so, so it's, I think, really pertinent thinking about what matters in what sphere. But as a, you know, in, in general, we're all in technology-driven businesses and very few would say that we're developing technology that was here 10 years ago. Yeah. All of us would say we're developing technology that was not even here yeah. yesterday. So how can you have experience in the thing I'm building if what I'm building was not here? Yeah. Um, and look, there, I'm also sort of uh, speaking in my own course here. I have had no background in, in fintech or in payments before coming to Australia and before, which was only about three and a half years ago. And I'm not... I, I'm, that's not the one thing I'm looking for. It might be one. It might be a thing amongst mm. others, but generally, it's about having uh, the right mindset and about being very, very excited about being there from the start. Yeah. I find that is almost one of the clearest litmus tests as to whether this is a person that's going to fit in. Is it someone who likes telling their friends, or maybe in the distant future, their grandchildren, mm. that I was there when it yeah. began? When Manuva got started, I yeah. was there. People who have that sense will make right decisions over and over and over again. Yeah. So before we wrap up, any exciting news that you've got to share? Well, I mean, I think the one-year anniversary of Maneuver is something that I'm very proud of. Uh, now, that is not news to many people, possibly, in the sense that it might not be that exciting. Uh, but as we are approaching that anniversary, we, we've launched uh, a couple of new features. Maybe one to, to bring out uh, is something we call Inbound Direct Debits. It's an add-on to our inbound, so our incoming reconciliations tool, Automatcher, which allows third parties to direct debit uh, with a consent mechanism, uh, our clients' accounts with us. So it's unique in the market in that all of a sudden, our client's customer can have Optus billing their uh, account with our client and be sent a message saying, Optus is just trying to, to debit you $80. Is that correct? And they can go, uh, yes, that's fine. Or no, actually, I canceled my subscription two months ago. That's not fine. Um, so it's great. <laughs> How do I get this for myself? Absolutely. Uh, well, obviously, you need to log on to Manuva.com and, and lots of other things. But uh, these are these are at points gradual improvements on product that can have, I think, step changes mm. in the impact that they have. Yeah. Um, but I guess Amazon the, are such sneaks. Uh, <laughs> they well, are. They're always and, taken. And the, and the problem <laughs> they make it so difficult to unsubscribe from. And, stuff. and that's the thing. So, so the experience most of us have as individuals is that once you have signed a direct debit authority, which is still often you know, proper written document and as in a, a hard copy and a wet signature, um, it's very hard to cancel. Very hard to get out. And if you are, it's sort of you are guilty until proven otherwise, mm. uh, which is extremely frustrating. Yeah. So just trying to make things a little bit easier. Yeah. But I think. The biggest piece of news really is that 2030 has arrived or will be arriving very much sooner yeah. than we probably thought. Yeah. Uh, and it will put a lot of pressure on a lot of us to accommodate the the new expectations in the market. And um, Manuva is proud to be part of that and hope to play our part. Fantastic. And where can people find out more about Manuva? Well, so there is Manuva.com. Manuva uh, being easily spelt as M-O-N-O-O-V-A. The idea is to both, the, the name came both from Money Mover uh, and Manuva, as in you maneuver around in the field and you sort of uh, adapt. Uh, so Manuva.com will, will tell you a lot of stuff. Great. Well, Christian, it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks, Thanks. for sharing everything. Thanks, Exeter. It's been great. Thank you. That's the end of the show, folks. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to our partners, Fintech Australia. Remember to subscribe. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher and all your favourite players. And if you enjoyed the show, 
please be kind enough to leave a review. Until the next time, stay safe 